0: Welcome to Live at Studio Venus, a Just TV and radio show, as well as this podcast. You can watch this episode on Just TV, or sorry, justfm.ca, or live from Studio Venus on YouTube. Um, Today, I was lucky enough to get to speak with Annie Martin. She has a wonderful way of speaking and the way her, her mind works. Anyone who knows me well knows that I am a... I get brain crushes often, and her brain is very lovely. Uh, we decided to uh, do a part one and part two, so we're going to record the second episode tomorrow. This episode was recorded in the historic Trinon Gallery, so thank you very much to uh, John Seville Architecture for providing that space. Um, and thank you for to uh, Just TV for providing this platform for us. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Annie Martin all right so I'm Laura Lee from live from Studio Venus um, which is a show and podcast here in Lethbridge Alberta where we like to talk about Lethbridge artists what they're doing and and a bit about their process so I have Annie Martin here she's um, an artist and a professor up at the University of Lethbridge and has a show going on currently in this amazing space we're in, um, the Trianon. There's, what do we have, a week from today before it comes down? It comes down on Friday. Oh, Friday, so hurry up. I'm gonna post it tonight, so hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, Well, it doesn't
1: come down on Friday, sorry. It's open on Friday. Um, I'm here on Friday afternoon, two to five and welcoming people to come by. Um, and then it'll be up over the weekend, but you know, the gallery's not open, but I could make appointments for viewings on the weekend if there are people who can't make it on Friday. Oh, that's really nice. really hoping to come. Yeah? Yeah. Um, the show will come down on Monday. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, if you want a message on our social media, I can make sure I pass it on to Annie right away, because um, you probably don't want to put out your personal profile out there, right? <laughs> um, but I'm on Facebook. <laughs> you can find me. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, come by even Friday. That'd be better. You can ask her what's going and, and give her feedback um, as to how you feel. So speaking of the show, mm-hmm. um, we were talking earlier and you said this kind of grew out of a writing project? Is writing something that's always interested you? I would say yes.
1: Um, I remember trying to write a folk song when I was like 10 years old oh. and I thought I would like to be a singer-songwriter. So was music <laughs> your first? Um, I was surrounded by music when I was growing up. My parents were really interested in music. They were like passionate amateurs <laughs> um, and we listened to a lot of music in the house, a lot of classical and folk and um, of course, AM radio, everything that came that way. But um, I would, I myself was not a musical kid. Like, I loved music, yeah. loved dance. I tried to play the piano. I was desperate to sing, to be able to play and sing pop songs on the piano. And I got really <laughs> frustrated because I, I didn't, ha- I, you know, and I took piano lessons and I didn't like that either. The piano teacher was mean. <laughs> And and it, I had a memory that she was mean, and my best friend recently reminded me that she actually was mean. She used to wrap us on the nail on the knuckles with uh, a ruler oh if we played goodness. a wrong note. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't make it up. She really was mean." So, <laughs> so yeah. Somehow, um, even with my love of music, it didn't it didn't take for me um. I, when I was a kid. Um, yeah. So I and and. I was also surrounded by art growing up. My, my uh, mom was a painter and weaver and crafty person. And the island was full of artists where I grew up, Um, but I didn't necessarily um, become an artist at that time either. When I was younger, I, I didn't think that I didn't, again, I didn't think I had what it took because I wasn't the kid who could draw anything That's so me. Right? (laughs) Yeah. And there were a few people around me who were that kid. Yeah. And they immediately upon graduating from high school, they went to Emily Carr and Mm -hmm. studied art. And they're, for the most part, still making art, Mm -hmm. very, like very dedicated artists. So wonderful people, wonderful artists. But they had that really early career trajectory of being into art. I was more um, Eclectic in my interests, yeah. but you were asking me about what was music my first love, and and before that you said writing was writing something I've always been involved with, so I always loved writing, yeah, um, and I think, but I didn't, I wasn't a prolific writer. Um, I'm an Aries, and I'm kind of like a butterfly. I kind of <laughs> flip from thing to thing, and I don't necessarily <laughs> dig in, yeah, um, unless I decide to, yeah. Um, so, I did writing for um, my friend of mine, and I published. A poetry review in high school and wrote poetry which was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, th- I thought that the lyrics of Elton John songs were the height of you know <laughs> of, of, of love <laughs> literature. Li- yeah, yeah, like I just loved yeah the kind of passionate like uh someone broke my heart tonight that kind yeah. of. <gasps>
0: Yeah. Angst. Um, angst. You need so that, that teenage angst. We
1: wrote, we wrote teenage angst poems and I wrote short, a short story about a girl hitchhiking to Vancouver to get an abortion, which was not wow. autobiographical, but it was like a speculative.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: because you, so you, you had to go- A
0: performance to, art. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And then I guess um, because I studied... Art. I went to university. Well, I studied first. I studied languages and linguistics, and then I switched to art after about three years. Um, But there was always writing going on in university, reading and writing, and I developed a special uh, love of theory, which I find to be very poetic. Yeah. So, so theoretical writing that's that's uh, has a really writerly quality. Someone like Roland Barthes, or you know, there's a bunch of writers I really love, Jean Luc Nancy. the French feminists, you know, just like yeah. the, it's not just philosophy or theory; it's it's deeply poetic, yeah. And that that that's always interested me, and I've aspired to write like that when I write, yeah. But back to your question again, the recent project came out of uh, something really entirely different, which was that I decided I was going to try and write song lyrics. So maybe going back to that yeah. moment when I was yeah.
0: ten, or so, it sounds and... like music was your first love in a way, because it, you could have gone either way into the art or music more at that time, right? That yeah. you wanted that music.
1: I'm grateful that I didn't go into music and I, not that I would have had that capacity necessarily, um, but I, because I think I have terrible stage fright. Um, but you're singing now. Right. we we'll get to <laughs> that. <Okay. laughs> I, yeah. And, I, 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 and the, the, I think that the pressure I imagine you kind of go over, you, you overcome it at a certain point. But to be a musician and and be a professional and be and have that pressure there all the time, yeah, um, to overcome one's stage fright and and really put yourself out there day after day, yeah, I think would be wouldn't be suited. I wouldn't be suited to that in terms of personality. Yeah, I yeah. like the solitary quality of of writing and of painting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And yet I have had times when I've had cl- a lot of collaborations, particularly with painting. And it's a really interesting, um, difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also very telling, right? in who we are and it's, you know, very collaborative, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I kind
0: of do like, to me, the studio is kind of, that's a nice part of it is it's this sort of quiet space. And in my studio that I have here, I have like, a writing and reading space, because to me, reading mm-hmm. and writing is is just as important as turning around and where I can paint. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I don't I don't do all those activities in the same space, but I do. Um, I like to bring artifacts that relate to the writing project into the studio space, and and vice versa. So there's some overlap, or they talk like to each other. Um, well, I'll bring fragments of text and pin them on the wall of the studio, Yeah, things that I'm thinking about um, that relate to whatever it is I'm thinking through at the time. Um, and then I'll bring fragments of image into into the room where I yeah. write as well. So there's some some reminder that, yep. oh yeah, there's that other space that I go to and I work in as well.
0: And there's, I think with with artists, and I think when you go to university, it's it's more understood that there's a lot of time where you don't actually do work work because you're thinking you're mm-hmm. maybe even reading and researching right mm-hmm. but there's a lot of time where we need that space in between yeah. and um i don't know that that's as recognized right by mm-hmm. anyway
1: yeah yeah uh, i th- guess that's a work habit too right yeah and sometimes it's a luxury to have the time to to write on your own schedule but I think when I was younger, and still really, if I ha- if there's a deadline, yeah, I will push to the very eleventh <laughs> hour, and then does that mean you let your students and then panic? <laughs> and then panic write. Yeah. Um, so I still have that. I, I definitely did that with my essays in yeah. art history, and you know any any um, theory. Courses I was taking, yeah. it was only after a while, probably in grad school, that I realized that writing could actually be creative, even even prose writing, like writing an essay, was very creative, and that to tap into that space uh it, I needed to give myself more time, so right. I couldn't do the eleventh hour, yeah, I had to pull back yeah yeah and and uh um start trying to get my voice, give my voice space to come out. Yeah. So um, one thing I, I did that was helpful was I started um, recording myself.
0: Oh, visually or audially or uh, both? audio recording.
1: Yeah. And then and then transcribing and then and then um, you know asking myself what am i really trying to say
0: yeah you know because
1: when you're when wow. we're speaking we're, we're we're trying to communicate we're trying to say something yeah. um in a and, and with us with a lot of with a specific kind of turn of 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 affect or it's not just it, it's not just um f- getting a fact across there's a kind of quality to the uh, to the to the um, communication that is also there. And somehow that transcribing
0: and and, uh, audio recording helped me. It's such a way to learn how we are. Like that's fascinating to me because usually the first thing that's kind of human to do is go, oh, my voice sounds weird, right? (laughs) And so when you're trying to just listen to your voice, I think it's kind of distracting. Whereas then taking that and transcribing it again, the act of doing that. Now your brain has something else that's going on just by doing Mm. it. And then reading and studying it,
1: that's, Mm.
0: it's kind of lovely because you keep almost thinking the same thing over and over in a different space.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, And then I guess it it is kind of like an editing process as well, because once you um, have heard yourself trying to say the thing you're trying to say, then you realize from, you know, from an outside perspective, Well, that 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 needs to be tweaked, Yes, that needs to be worked on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, we were talking really briefly about um, sort of where you got started. and, And so we're sort of at your university stage, I think because we got here, um, it would be great to be able to have maybe a second session. So I just yeah. want to keep that in mind because I'd almost like to sort of almost go back, but I would kind of like to talk about your current work sure. just because it can be shown, but it would be really great if you'd come back. Cause there's so many questions I have to ask you about your process and how you came along and then okay, how okay. you ended up in our little prairie town. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but let's go to this work and like, okay. like I'd sort yeah. of said, you started with a sabbatical for writing or taking a residency? Yeah, I am. I, um, or is that how it started? That, it,
1: that was how it started. Yeah. I didn't have a sabbatical for writing, but I decided that I wanted to do this um, writing. Um, and I, what I specifically wanted to write, explore through reading and then also th- uh, begin to write, was um, verse to be sung, so lyric, yeah. in which the singer, the, the subject singing, is addressing death okay so that was that was right from the beginning i knew that that was the subject matter and um that i was interested in exploring and it was partly because i think i needed to think about my own mortality and death and dying i hadn't done that sufficiently and i had a a kind of an intuition that that was something that would be useful to do for me um, to not be um, kind of avoiding Thinking about mortality, because I want to be able to help people who are facing that. I want to be able to really be there for them and 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 for myself. When right. I, when, I, when I'm in. And, and Do you mean
0: in a, fo- a a formal aspect to be there for people, just in life? You want just in life, yes. not not a formal, yeah, yeah.
1: not a professional, just just a friend. Yeah. You know, or a, a friend. Yeah. Uh, or a yeah. family member to be really be able to be present.
0: And I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had that capacity. And it was just, was it just sort of like a birthday hit and it's like, oh, mortality.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. or well, it came like so I'm I'm di- I'm kind of talking very cyclically, but um, it, it came out of the previous project I had been working on, which was um, a project in which I was looking at the visions and song literature of Hildegard of Bingen. OK, um, who was a medieval uh, mm-hmm. nun and writer prolific writer and musician hmm. that project was exploring the experience of a heightened sense of spiritual connection with source or god in her okay. case i was really curious about like going inside of that experience what is someone what is really going on in mind and body and feeling world when someone feels like God is present or that their their source is present. And she was a vehicle for me to explore that through. But in so doing, I realized that mortality was like the frame around that. Right. The reason why humans want to experience connecting with source is because we're mortal. Yeah. And we know that we need to go sometime and that we want to, we have an aspiration that will feel a connection to something. So Hildegard made me think uh, in some way, it turned me to the topic of, of death and dying. Yeah. And her, her, her work is not about death and dying. It's full of life and Mm -hmm. vibrancy and imagery around life and nature, but, but it still gave me that idea. This is where I want to go next. Um, So I, I got, you know, I, I, I'm also, so I felt like I needed to do the work, but I also like a kind of, for myself, I also am really, really interested in um, imagery around um, the past, the crossing over and the going into the underworld, this kind of imagery, like really deep mythology around um, what happens when pe- when souls pass, and where do they go? Yeah. For some reason, that I'm not into horror. I'm not into, <laughs> um, you know, suspense. But the image of um, Charon in his boat, rowing you across the River Styx, mm-hmm. and that sense of g- crossing over, which also comes in up in uh, Buddhist literature around um, the. the the role of the Bodhisattva is to help someone pass over cross over, so it 's a sense of that, that beautiful almost like a landscape image of of this of a, of a death or a departure, but the boat that something about that just yeah. is so powerful for me, and the other one that really really fascinated me was the idea of going into the underworld mm-hmm. like um, Demeter, the goddess. Um, losing her daughter Persephone and Persephone needing to having to go to the underworld to be with Hades yeah. and then come back. That something about that imagery mm-hmm. just really shook me. And so does I, it
0: shake you as, and I hope it's not too personal, does it shake you as someone who believes in God or does it, what do you mean by that? I guess.
1: I, well, I, I don't believe in, in capital G, right. D yeah. uh, the patriarch with the white beard, or even the softer, kinder Christ version. I, I you know, I, I think Christ was an interesting philosopher and a very powerful teacher
0: yeah.
1: among among others. Um, but so I'm not I'm not Christian,
0: Yeah.
1: but clearly there's a, there's a hole, mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a hole.
0: So investigating I, that then is interesting yeah. to you.
1: Looking for it. And, yeah. and, and um, I, so that I think that the reason why that imagery is so powerful to me is because it, it, it goes to something really core. It, the, the encounter with death, possibly, or with God, if you believe in God or with your source, is kind of like an encounter on some level with oneself mm-hmm. or one's true self. It's an encounter that we all kind of long for. Yeah. And And sort of
0: can't find necessarily we don't find in in our everyday life and it's it's always interested me that through like history and countries and um, yeah just sort of ages and ages people have looked to a deity or or someone who um, will have a comfort when someone dies or Mm -hmm. you know that gives you all these different things that like you say, is kind of this human condition. Mm-hmm. And so it's always fascinated me that to this day, there's there's lots of different ones in different places, but they all center around sort of one person that's helping to guide them. Mm-hmm. So except sort of like you said, sort of Buddhist and that kind of thing. is, yeah, is like this kind of a different philosophy, maybe. <laughs> but but
1: I mean, it is it's really interesting. And in some in something like Hindu or Buddhist, um, in the kind of um, mythic realm, there there are, there are multiplicity of, of, of deities, of, of, right. But each one of them can be addressed as an, uh, you know, to be the helper, right. They have, they have different, um, they have different characteristics or you go to them for different things, but they all have that help. Yeah. There's this kind of, um, longing for that connection with, with, um,
0: with, with a helper. I always, I always wish I believed in God, you know, or don't always believe, but there's something about it that really makes me wish I could believe because it's lovely that way, right? It has so many opportunities and, um, but I just can't, <laughs> but right. I, you know, there it is yeah. like, you said, it's sort of um, seems like it's lovely and comforting and and yet I've been organized religion and it's not right (laughs) yeah but um it does you know it it has that seems like full of promise to think of somebody else that is there to give us love and created us yeah and help us with our you know
1: I think I think that's a really deep human need and I think and I don't I think it's real yeah it's real um and and um, if, if religion fulfills that, if an organized religion fulfills that for someone, then I think they're very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have philosophical difficulties with, let's just take Christian philosophy. Yeah. Um, I attended a church recently because I just had this longing to hear music. This was before COVID, so yeah. it was last winter. Um, and I, I really, really wanted to hear some music. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, be in that collective space of the church. I love the acoustics. I love, yeah. I love churches, let's just face it. I love the space. Me too. Yeah. Um, and I went and I found myself both like really moved by what was going on because the ritual is moving. Human ritual is moving, it's compelling, it's yeah. shared. And I also in my mind was arguing with the sermon or finding points in the sermon because I felt like what was going on that was wrong for me was the centering of, of the, anthrop, the, anthrop, the anthropocentrism, the centering of the human that's so insistent in, Christ, in the Christian ethos where um, humans, like that, that somehow the idea that the world was created for humans. Yeah, and I currently disagree with that. I've always kind of disagreed with that, but I, I really strongly think that that's mm. one of our biggest errors, in that we the the thinking the world was created for us, or somehow even that we human beings are so different from other sentient beings and even plants, which are also sentient, yeah. that we are exceptional. I think that's where we we've got we've gone so far off you know off track or astray because we are absolutely and humbly dependent on all these other beings and plants and i mean we literally wouldn't have air to breathe oh right you know yeah. it's like that, so so i think i think that sort of that's uh, philosophically one of my crit- criticisms of Christianity, Christianity, the way it's presented, is that it, it's, well it centers the male, it centers a, ma- a male god. That's mm-hmm. always been a pet peeve yeah, all my life. Too.
0: You know what? I had a philosophy teacher, um, I don't know if he's still up at the university, Bryson Brown. And I took, I think it was um, the philosophy of science. But through the entire class, are not cl- like the entire semester he never ever used he for God he used she and of course the first like few times he used it my ears were like I can't wait till it like slips up into I don't know why <laughs> but I was like waiting for him and he never once did he referred to God as she the entire time mm. and and it was um just so interesting but just by sort of tweaking that gender so it was still saying God you know so Mm -hmm. let's call her just the same as calling a he called a she you know no one really knows kind of thing but it just kind of flipped things a bit right and so it flipped that gender and it Mm. it made it um in a way more open to kind of figure out as well what was going on around it so I just found by slipping that a little Mm -hmm. bit it um yeah certainly kind of I don't know. It does. Right. Rather than just accepting this male patriarchal God, because he doesn't seem that nice to me, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> I think I
1: think having, yeah, having the, 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 the figurehead be a, a male patriarch yeah. just sets up a whole kind of hierarchy that um, puts power in the hands of male patriarchs, right? Yeah. which is mm-hmm. pretty clearly how it was all.
0: Designed. Designed. Yeah. 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 And we have a problem with that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we kind of have this, you know, bit that you're, you're looking at this sort of this death and how um, organized spaces and and what there is. So then what do you do with that? So you've sort of got this information. Is that where then you pulled in this writing? Mm -hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, I guess I, I, the the writing um, was always a collaboration. It, it came out of a conversation with a, with a singer and she agreed to, to collaborate with me. We, we both agreed that we wanted to work together on this project. So when I went away to do the writing, I already had her in my mind uh-huh. and I had our conversations in my mind and some of the things she had told me, she thought about death and dying and mortality. And so even as I was writing, I wasn't just writing from my own uh, experience or my own thoughts on the subject matter, I was writing out of a conversation, which was really satisfying to do. And because it was me, uh, I use he, she, she, her (laughs) pronouns and identify as as a woman. And um, my collaborator um, also identifies as a woman. There was always this underpinning of these are songs of female voices There's one exception, there's one, there are two poems out of the the whole set of lyrics um, which aren't from a feminine perspective. One is uh, called A Dude Chats with Charon. And and it's a a, a dude, it's a good hearted man who is uh, drinking a beer and suddenly dies. Um, That's the character. (laughs) And what he sees and feels as he plummets into the underworld and then meets Charon and has kind of tried to negotiate getting across the river in the boat, but he doesn't <laughs> have any money. So <laughs> that's one of the men. Uh, and the other is a, is a character who is, is um, non-binary and, f- and fluid, and so moves between, um, between uh, identity right. positions. Um, but the, the, I felt it was really important for the voice to be f- female, Um, Not just because we were both women working on the project, but because I felt like something, I'm still thinking this through, there's something about women giving up the power to negotiate and assist and understand death and dying that Mm -hmm. somehow much like I think midwifery, which was taken out of women's hands and put into the hands of medical professionals, e.g. men, Doctors, right. physicians. Yeah. Um, I think that I suspect that um, the care for the dead, the death, uh, the care for the dying, and some of this sort of um, spiritual help and care that would go along with that, was taken out of the hands of women and put into the hands of the priest, you know, mm-hmm. and the doctor, and the undertaker. Yeah. And and then hence kind of distanced from our experience and made medical, made uh, hor- horrifying, made frightening, yeah. cold, heavy, yeah. expensive, <laughs> toxic, literally yeah. toxic. Yeah. So all of this was it. And so there's something about. What if we just take this material back? Like, what if we just take this, and write our own songs? Yeah, write our own songs to death. So th- and were they melancholy? Um, no, not all of them. Actually, yeah, yeah surprisingly, that that's that was something that um, um, I felt was important. They're yeah. not laments. There are some laments. Yeah. There's some elements of lament. Um, the, the most lamenting piece actually is 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 the final piece that I wrote, which is um, entitled Greed. And it, it's it's basically thinking through death isn't the problem. Yeah. It addresses death. It says, "What are you now, O piteous one, death? Yeah, when none, none living remain to die." So it was thinking oh. about climate change. Actually thinking about oh, right anthrop 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 the Anthropocene and our 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 like imminent climate death or cli- like species death, climate disaster. And realizing death is actually like holding the hand of life. It's a dance partner with life. Death happens because life happens. And everything must die. Trees must die. Yeah. They can't live forever. It's very important that they die. And they rot. And they, they become provide. soil. And new trees grow. Yeah. So death is, is, is a life partner. It's yeah. a partner to life. The problem that's much bigger <laughs> that's going to abolish life and death yeah is greed yeah very much so and it's the greed of like that we see right you know right under our noses here in our province we see yeah. it all over the world I was thinking about Australia and there's a phrase in that song um, soft bodies drop from limbs and that it mm. sounds weird like it sounds like a body falling off an arm but actually it's the images um bats were dying in Australia oh they were dropping from the branches they were hanging from and they were they were being cooked because the temperature was too hot. So the bats, the little bodies of the bats, oh, were like plump, falling to the ground. And that something about that, the idea that greed, because coal mining's huge in Australia, they're like the. the the current Prime Minister of Australia is like insane. He like carried a piece of coal into the legislature like a baby. Oh my gosh. And it's like precious. God gave us this precious coal. We've really? got to dig it up. It's our, it's our purpose to dig up the coal. Meanwhile, the animals are dropping out of the trees dead. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to survive. And of course, last summer, the fires, uh, whenever the fires were then, and probably continuing. So that greed is that, that, and I got really mad. See, I'm I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm our, our, um, our our fighting with death is like a decoy. Our resisting death, death, like like resisting, thinking that death is the problem. If -hmm. there wasn't any death, like all these men, like, the orange menace, who think they're going to live forever. Yeah, you know, and and, and they're going to resist death. Meanwhile, they're ravishing the ecosphere, right? To get rich, like if you just sit with that for a bit, start to see that death is not the problem. Yeah. Um, And so that 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 kind of that was the final piece of the 13 lyrics and it kind of shifted into a new gear and it's probably where the next body of work will go but
0: death is not the problem but um, it's kind of the source though of then what humans take as sorrow right Mm. so are you hoping to kind of change that so instead of seeing death as something that's sorrowful I don't know if that's a word, um, mm. that it's something that is comforted as sort of process in right. our ecosystem.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, right? I mean, I think I think it is sorrowful because it's it, we don't want to leave life. Life is beautiful. Yeah. Right. We love life. We yeah. love each other. We love yeah. the world. And yeah. we don't want to leave the world yeah so that's going back to the, the question of God again right but um, so it's not that it's not sorrowful or very grave very serious business yeah but it's like something this is my like my mind is just kind of I've been rolling over this it's necessary yeah we know it's necessary mm-hmm.
0: Thank you very much. It was sure nice to hear that first episode from Annie Martin. See what I mean about her brain? Doesn't she have a lovely, lovely brain? Um, She's a lovely, lovely woman. Um, I just want to thank uh, JessFM.ca. That's where you can access the visual component of this podcast, or you can also go to our YouTube channel, which is live from Studio Venus. You can also find us on almost all of the social media platforms under that same name, live from Studio Venus. So thanks again. I want to make sure I, I thank John uh, Saville architecture. I, I said it wrong in the intro, and I just want to make sure that uh, I say it correctly. Um, we absolutely love being in the Trinon Gallery, and it's a wonderful space, especially with social distancing, to be able to record the podcast. On Friday, I will be going live with Troy Nickel, who is also a Lethbridge artist. So um, I'm sure that's going to be a very interesting interview, and I look forward to that. So join us live um, at JessFM.ca or on their um, Facebook page. They, they go live on both spots. Thank you very much, and we will see you later. Let's be curiouser and curiouser about art and everything else in life.